Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Dennis Kozlov. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Good morning, church! Yeah, that's official now. Russian concussion is back in the house. Uh, most of you know me, and those who are here for the first time, you might detect a little accent because I was born and raised in another side of the world. I was born and raised in the Soviet Union that became Russia. But as soon as I could move to Ohio, I did, okay? <laughs> All right. Okay, last week, Neil covered the topic of... And by the way, those of you who don't know, we're going through this series, and this series has been amazing for, for me, for Neil... And I get a lot of feedback from you guys. We get a lot of feedback. It's, it's almost like we've been going to one church and then, boom, there was like a bump up and we got to the next level and now we're going to a church that have never existed in Springfield, Ohio. All right, so this is good. This is good. So last week, Neil covered the topic of appropriation. When he was coming to this uh, chapter in that book, he wasn't very excited, but as he got into the material, he got more and more excited. And he told me that when they did the small group and studied that, people got excited about it. So I have a story about appropriation. appropriation. Yeah, so uh, several years ago, before we moved to the States, my family and I, I've been coming and visiting the United States of America for years since 1999. It was related to my work. I worked for different Christian organizations. And... Uh, Months at a time, I would go for at least two months to be away from my family. So one day, my friends in Virginia, some church there, <clears throat> a church there, decided to bless me and my family. They said, you know, you're sp spending so much time away from your family when you travel to the States. We want to bless you guys. We want to buy airplane tickets for your family. We want to pay for your expenses while you're in America. We want your family to come and join you by the end of your trip so that they, they would get to experience the United States too. They would, come, they would come and enjoy and understand and experience America. I said, great. So they did that, but something at the end of the day did not fully work the way they wanted. So originally they were going to bring us to Virginia. They didn't. They couldn't. So they paid for some stuff here in Ohio because I was here in Ohio. So they bought us tickets to Cedar Point. How many of you have been to Cedar Point? That's an amazing place. So they bought us a two-day pass, and they paid for the hotel room. And we drove there, and we were reaching it by the end of the first day, kind of, so we thought, like, we will spend a few hours first night and then the whole day next day. But unfortunately, it was raining. There was a thunderstorm threat, so they canceled everything. We looked at the beautiful, you know, wonderful, amazing constructions, I mean, those, those rides, and we went to the hotel. Had, long story short, next day we come, and they, our friends here in Ohio, they told us, make sure you come to the gates real early in the morning. And we did. We thought we did. <laughs> we came, and there are a bunch of people there already, because everybody wants to be there early. Because they told us, if you don't come early, you'll spend most of the day just in long lines in the heat of the day, just waiting for your ride. For each ride, you'll probably like, have to wait for 30, 40 minutes. So basically, you'll have like five rides maybe a day. That's not fun. So I said, well, okay, I'm going to be there early. So we got there early, and not that wasn't early enough. There was a bunch of people there already. Gates are closed. People are there anxious. So we stand, we're standing, we're waiting. And then at a certain point, I saw the doors, not every doors, some of the gates got open. 
and some of the people got through. They wouldn't let everybody, they would let some people in. And some people went and casually started walking. No crowds, no lines, they would just go to whatever rides they wanted to and they started riding. I said, who are those people? Why are they so special? And we had to wait longer and wait and wait. And then finally the main gates got open and everybody just rushed through the gates and everybody literally started running. And I didn't know what to do. I said to my family, run! And we started running. <laughs> and just, where? I, I don't know, this one. Let's go to this one. So we, 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 like, we didn't know the layout. We didn't know which one is cool, which one is not cool. We just got to the first one so that we would avoid lines. And of course, the first one we got without lines. The rest of the day we had to stay in long lines. But I was bothered by like, who were those people? I learned later that they were like special, special group who paid special extra money for VIP access prior to the general public. You know the irony was? My tickets were those. I didn't know that. Let me tell you something. This is a perfect example of appropriation that Neil taught last week. You know, when we read the gospel, when we read the New Testament, and you begin to believe what it says, especially the epistles of Paul, you would be, your, your mind would be blown. It's a crazy, amazing life that God invites you into. He calls it life abundant. He calls it a prosperous life. You know, prosperity became a dirty word in Christian circles. It's not a dirty word. It's a biblical word. It's found in the New Testament. God wants you to prosper. Prosperity doesn't mean that you drive a particular kind of a car. It means whatever kind of a car you drive, you are happy. You're full of peace. You're full of joy. You're not depressed. You, 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 oh, life abundant. Jesus said, I have come. So you read the New Testament. You see this amazing thing like this, this amazing oneness with, 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 with God the Father. Jesus said, I am and the Father are one. You see me, you see the Father. You touch me, you touch the Father. You speak me, you hear me speak. You actually hear speaking of the Father. I only do what I see the Father. Amazing oneness. And he says, I have come so that you would have the same kind of oneness with me. He brought God into human being, into man, so that man can be brought into God. And we read about this life, and it's amazing. It's mind-blowing. And then we look at our own life, and we look at the life of Christians we know, and there's a big difference. And you know, they didn't fully appropriate what is available to them in Christ Jesus. They were like, they're just like, my family and I standing at the gate and looking at those special people. All along, we are the special people. You are the special people. Penny, you're special. You're super special. You're so one with Christ, you have no idea how much you're one with Christ. He's way more one with you than you think. If you look at the mirror, the day will come when you look at the mirror and you can't think of Christ when you look at the mirror. Not just you and your problems and your hard life, but what He has done and what He is in you. And it will become real through you to others. I declare that in Jesus' name. That's for Penny and that's for every one of you. All right.
So the very few Christians actually live this kind of life, and it's a problem. They haven't appropriated. So I told you the, the Cedar Point story. So the, why, why, why is it that we, we haven't fully appropriated? Well, first of all, it's ignorance. We did know that we had those dumb tickets. We did know. Somebody should have told us. Neil and I are here to tell you so that you would have no excuse. All right? Enemy loves uh, disinformation, ignorance. He wants to keep you in ignorance. So I want to tell today about the very first thing that you really need to start appropriating in your life. And this is identification with Christ. Your identification with Christ. That's the name of the chapter we're covering. And actually the chapter is covering the more specific aspect of this identification. And I'll talk a little bit more generally about identification with Christ. And then I'll, I'll cover this uh, more specific side. I want to point out that the identification with Christ is not just something important in Christian faith. I want to tell you that the identification with Christ is Christian faith. Is Christian faith. It's foundational revelation of the New Testament. It's crucial that you begin to see it in the New Testament. God's way revealed in the New Testament epistles is not to try to do something for God or to be something for God. It is the way of beholding Christ. Seeing Him, receiving Him, and understanding and realizing that He is everything you need. Christ is everything you need for your life and godliness in God. Christ is all in all for you. At first, you need to understand it's Christ's identification with us. It's not just something that you desire to accomplish, achieve, and get in your life. Even before you knew about Christ, he already decided to identify himself with you. What does it mean to identify? I mean, English is not my native language. And I looked it up. You know, we're not talking about identification as to an attempt to understand what it is. We're talking about this phrasal expression, identify with. It's important. This all those come, come together. You won't find the word identification in the Bible. It's a word that's probably the best, the best attempt to express the concept that is found in the New Testament. You see, the reality of the New Testament was so difficult to express in human words that Paul actually invented a bunch of new words in Greek language. Did you know that? So every time we come to a different language, the same thing happens. You have to come up with words with new words and expressions to to explain to express this new reality so identify with means that you can't think of something without thinking of something else it's very close affiliation association i have two examples both of them are poor they run short but let me try my best so one is how many of you like to walk around reservoir here i love it like we have a beautiful places here so but every time pretty much every time I walk around reservoir at a certain time of the day I see those two men walking together 
I saw them many times. And I guess they're brothers because they look alike. They're about the same age. They're, they're, their body type is kind of the same body type, height and facial expression. And they always walk together and they talk. And they, like every time I see them, I see them together. So here's the thing. Uh, in my experience, they're identified with each other to such an extent that if I would bump them, bump into them in Walmart, into one of them, guess what I would think of? The other one. I would immediately start looking for the other one. That's, that's one example. Let me give you a second example of identification, which many residents of Ohio State can relate to. Uh-huh. Ohio State. So many people here who live in the States, to a different degree, but many of them fully, almost fully identify themselves with this team. That's amazing. I mean, this, they, it's so emotional sometimes, you know? Like, they, they spend a lot of money on things related to Ohio State game and team. They spend a lot of time on things related. And I'm, I'm not playing a guilt card or anything. I'm just telling you the fact. I'm just, it's an observation of an independent international observer, all right? I kid you not, for the first two years that I've been coming to the States, I thought that this flag with Big O is official flag of Ohio, of the state of Ohio. Seriously, I thought that, because I never saw the Ohio State flag. I mean, you, you got me. So, well, anyway, it, it's, 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 it's very serious for many people. It's, it's, it's profound, and it's, um, it's emotional. Like, depending on the result of the game, on Saturday... Some people may feel great or very poorly the next day or maybe for several days after that. We're in the poor stage right now. Yeah, so feel poor. <laughs> but it, 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 it's still not the same. It doesn't run as deep because this affiliation, this uh, identification does not change you. It doesn't set you free from the burdens you have. It doesn't set you free from addictions you have. It doesn't set you free from sinful inclinations and propensities you might have. It doesn't really change marching you. You identify fully with this team like their success is your success. They win, you're happy. They lose, you're miserable. That's Neil, by the way. You know that, right? So, but it's not, it's, it's not even mutual. Like, Neil, what, who, who's the coach of Ohio State? Brian Day, I have no clue. Brian Day. Ryan Day, Neil knows Ryan. Ryan has no clue who Neil is. He doesn't care. Those players don't identify back with Neil. They have no clue. They don't want to know. So what I'm saying, I mean, I, I got carried away by this example, but you understand, it's different. It's more profound. With Christ, it's different. Actually, Christ knows Neil. He knew Neil before Neil knew himself. He was carefully looking at Neil while Neil was being knit in the womb of his mother. He has fully identified himself with Neil before Neil had any clue. And then one day he revealed himself to Neil and invited him to start identifying himself with Christ. That's the whole of Christianity. Anything outside of that is a religion. 
I'm going to say something controversial to you right now, but it's only controversial because you haven't studied your Bible. I'm sorry, people. If you try to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your strength, you're going to fail miserably. You're going to be miserable and you're going to make other people miserable because you're trying to engage with God based on the law concept. It's a wonderful law. It's a beautiful commandment, but it's a law. It's not Christ. Christ is the one that connects you with God. As soon as you try to introduce any biblical thing as something that you, as an independent entity, trying to, to do to engage in relationship with God, you lost already. Your connection with God is Christ. Your connection with God in Christ. What are the two external practices, the only external practices that are prescribed and sanctioned by the New Testament to us? One is done once in a lifetime. Another one is supposed to be done on a regular basis. Baptism and communion. That's it. You can turn them into religion or you can look what I mean in the light of the New Testament. Baptism. What is baptism? Baptism is a burial into Christ's death. Identifying with what he has done. This, the baptism, actually, you know, we, we, we're not just spiritual beings. We're bodies. We're souls. We're spirits. And we need, sometimes we need tactile, you know, tangible things to experience, to put our faith. We appropriate things available to us in Christ through faith but sometimes we need to put this faith into almost physical reality and God gives us two things he gives us baptism so that you would actually at the core of your being would feel the waters of baptism as your burial with Christ identification with Christ the baptism is to bring you into Christ the communion element is to bring Christ into you that's the summary of Christian faith you become one with Christ and you begin to receive Christ as your sustenance for life. And he becomes your life. You become little Christ many. Christian. Christ means anointed one by God. The anointed one. Christian means little ones anointed by Christ in him. But as powerful. Because he identifies himself fully with us. And it didn't happen just for a season. Remember when Apostle Paul... The guy who basically planted the biggest number of churches, wrote the most books of the New Testament. Before he became Apostle Paul, he hated Christian faith. He hated Christian churches. He said as his life purpose, his mission to eradicate of this thing that he called heresy. And then he was on his mission, on the horse, riding to Damascus to arrest Christians, to throw them into jails, to torment them, to torture them, to investigate them. The light from heaven shone upon him. He fell from the horse. And the first question he asked was, Who are you, Lord? What was the Lord's answer? I am Jesus whom you persecute. Paul didn't persecute Jesus. Paul persecuted specific people living in Damascus. But Jesus is saying, you touch Penny, you touch Christ. 
You persecute Penny. You persecute Christ. You touch Derek. You touch Christ. This is not just my people. It's not just affiliated with me. They're me. They're my body. We're so one. Yes, a lot of these people don't realize how one they are with me. But I'm still one with them. I am Jesus whom you persecute. And then he asks Paul a question. Why are you persecuting me? That's amazing. That's the extent of identification that Christ extends towards you. It's about time we start embracing it and extending it back to him. Because that's what Christian faith is, all right? Okay, I gave you those examples. Let me find myself in my notes. So, I already told you, it's mutual and it's way more profound than your identification with Ohio State or like anything. Anything and anybody in anything. So, the whole of Christian growth that we're talking about, you know, our series of radical growth, is basically growth in your realization of how one you are with Christ. Nothing else. Nothing else. Every time you understand and an increment more of how one you're with Christ, more of Christ is being released from you to other people. You know, Satan's want you to be preoccupied and self-absorbed, preoccupied with yourself. And if he can't do it with sins, he'll do it with religion. He'll give you Bible verses. He'll give you principles. He'll tell you, come on, roll up your sleeves. Work hard. Draw closer to God. Become more and more. Become more and more. Do more and more. Work harder. Work harder. That's not it. It's a trap. It's a trap. Because he is reinforcing your independence independent entity trying to achieve oneness with God, trying to achieve unity with God. All along, he has accomplished that and brought you into the very heart of the union in God. You can't get any closer. Yes, in your experiences, yes, you need to grow in that. But this whole growth is realization how much oneness there is. I heard this preacher say, you've been brought into the very middle of a Twinkie. You don't have to like chew your way into you like Plow! you're in the middle of it all. Just real just. your biggest problem, you're trying too hard. Just start start receiving that. <laughs> you'll be you'll have a lot of experiences with the Lord. I, I, I talked to James, this guy, I baptized this guy with Neil. And like the Spirit of God is all over this guy. He drives every every day. And the Spirit of God comes and he just, Dennis, I don't understand what's happening. I'm like, I, I say Jesus and I start crying. I said, dude, this is so awesome. Like, I want you to pray for everybody in the church to have the same thing. Because people are all about themselves. They think about themselves. They think about this problem, their job. If you would just see a glimpse of Christ, most of those would fall off. All right, all right, all right. Dennis, stop it. Oh, man. Thank you, Derek. Derek is the only one I preach to usually. I'm just <laughs> so now, I, I have to forcefully make myself switch from this general idea of identification to specific thing. And that's exactly what the book is talking about. 
One of the very first things that we need to appropriate as an essential part of this union with Christ is our freedom from sin. Can I hear an amen to that? Freedom from sin. Do you know why dinosaurs cannot clap their hands? Because they're dead. (laughs) You know why you cannot live like a sinner anymore? Because you're dead. (laughs) You're dead. Dennis, what are you talking about? Oh, by the way, sorry, I, I need to come back a little bit. Ohio State thing. Here we go. We have beautiful brother and sister, Shane and Hannah, and these guys worship God, and they like, Shane loves to jump and dance, and some of you think he's weird. Let me tell you, you're weird. Because <laughs> I saw you cheering for Ohio State, and you were crazy. And then you come to church and you go, yay, Jesus. Get a grip. I mean, at least be consistent. Do that to Ohio State too, all right? And they come to the church and do the same thing. If you go like, ah, come here and do at least something like that. Because Jesus has won, you know? And you identify yourself with him. You're a Christian, right? If not, we need to work on that. All right. Okay, coming back. You're free from sin because you're dead. I don't know how it works. This is the revelation that we need to get. Let's, let, let me read the book, of, uh, the book of Romans, chapter 6, verses from 1 through 11. It's rather a big uh, passage, but bear with me. Let's, let's read it, and let's just believe what it says, all right? Let's, let's just read it. Paul says in chapter 6, I'm going to read the NIV. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Identification with Christ. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him, united with him in death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in resurrection like this. For we know, Paul said, that our old self, our old self, this sinner, this, this person in Adam, this version of Dennis that is crooked and perverted, has been crucified with him, with Christ, so that this body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. Death, the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Listen, conclusion, practical application. In the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God 
in Christ Jesus. He's laying down what Christ has done. He says, you're part of it now through your baptism. Now live like that. Like what? Like you're dead to sin and alive to God. You know, there are only two categories of people living in this world. Alive to sin and dead to God and the vice versa. Dead to sin and alive to God. And if you have received his son, you became a son or a daughter. And you became alive to God and dead to sin. That's the fact revealed by God in his word. So there is no room for any addiction in your life, for any sinful bondage, for any slavery to sin in your life. I remember I was in Russia, and on a regular basis, I would, I would be in charge of <clears throat> organizing and helping mission trips from Russia. And there was a team coming from America, and I was meeting them at the airport. And one brother got off the plane... And he said, praise God, I landed. I, I just, I was dying for smoke and finally I can have a smoke. And I thought, he's joking. I go, ha-ha. And he wasn't. <laughs> he reaches out and he pulls out a pack of cigarettes, which I don't mind. But I saw a problem immediately because the church I arranged for him to come and minister to was a very legalistic, well, sorry, uh, Pentecostal church. And I knew it's not going to fly well if he's going to smoke there. And I said, brother... Can you stay away from your cigarettes for at least a week while you're here with that church? <clears throat> I said, no. The Lord has not set me free. <clears throat> I said, really? I said, yeah. And I told pastor such and such who were in charge of organizing it on the American side. And he said, that's okay. I said, well, I don't know. It was a disaster. For the rest of the trip, I mean, this church has not been able to receive anything from this guy because of his addiction. And they actually were keep trying to save this guy because they thought he's not a Christian. So there was not a good time. <clears throat> the reason I brought it up was that it's a big fat lie that this guy chose to believe that, no, you know, God has not set me free yet. I don't know. When is he going to do that, brother? I don't know. In two years, maybe? Well, years later, I see this guy. Nothing has changed. All along, he is free, actually. He's free because uh, he believes the lie. I have the same experience. Okay, I, I'm running in all possible directions, so I'll, I'll try to recompose myself and be focused. Book of Romans, the best explanation of what the gospel is. Chapter 5 tells you about you justified in the eyes of God. And that was the revelation that set Martin Luther free and set the rest of the Europe free. And brought the gospel to a lot of us. Today, we are Christians in many ways because Martin Luther and other reformers received this revelation from chapter 5 of Romans that we are justified apart from the law through what Christ has accomplished. Chapter 6 actually gives us a death certificate to sin. You know what? You're dead to sin, and there's a death certificate in chapter 6. Chapter 7 describes the torment of a religious person who is trying to pull things off for God, who is trying to be a good person for God. And chapter 8 talks about walking in the Spirit. And it's amazing, but unfortunately, we all go through these chapters in our experience. 
If you haven't reached the point when you appropriate what chapter 5 says, your life is not good. Your life is marked by guilt and shame. And you can't really have fellowship with God. And God can't really do much through you because you're still sin conscious. If you're getting this revelation, that's wonderful. If you're getting revelation of chapter 6, <clears throat> that your sinful self has been crucified with Christ, that's amazing. Here's what happened to me. I became a Christian as a teenager. I was a chain smoker. I, I, like, I went through two packs a day. My day would start like this. I would open one eye and I would look for a pack of cigarettes. And then I would make myself some coffee. And that's how the day would start. That's how the day would continue. That's how the day would end. It was horrible. <clears throat> then I became a Christian. I, I, <clears throat> I met the Lord. It was an amazing encounter. And I began to experience Him. It was wonderful. And I would smoke and enjoy Jesus. It was wonderful. Jesus didn't mind. I don't know. He didn't tell me anything. And then one sister in the Lord, one sister in Christ, one lady, came to me and said, How dare you? I said, What? Do you know what you're doing? I said, What am I doing? I said, Do you know that you're like actually insulting Holy Spirit? I said, Do I? Yeah. Because And she started like explaining this weird theory how Holy Spirit lives in your spirit and has to do with your breath. And when you inhale the smoke, you kind of, the Holy Spirit is kind of choking inside of you. Like, oh. I said, really? I'm doing that? I didn't know that. I'm sorry, lady. Sorry, Holy Spirit. Ah, oh, ah, what do I do? And she said, now you have to give me promise and we'll pray with you and you're going to renounce it and throw it away in the window. And I said, okay, I'll do it. And she led me in the prayer and prayed. And I threw this pack of cigarettes in the window, and she said, she had me under her belt now as one more delivered sinner, probably, I don't know. I said, yeah, okay, good. So the meeting was over. I came down. I found my pack of cigarettes in the snow that I threw through the window. It wasn't wet, so it was still good, so I started smoking. <clears throat> I went home. I slept. Next morning, I woke up, and the first thought that comes to my mind, you were Judas Iscariot. You betrayed Christ. You betrayed the Holy Spirit. You promised that thing, and you did it in prayer before the witnesses. You're worse than the worst sinner. I was 16 years old, and there's like tons of condemnation begin to come upon me and just, just press me down. And I felt so heavy, and I felt there's no connection between me and God. I felt like there's a huge schism and separation between me and God. It was a big, fat lie, people. It was a religion cre creeping, crapping into my life. <laughs> I invent new words sometimes, sorry. <clears throat> and I didn't know what to do. I, you know what? I, I came with the idea, I'm going to burn all the kung fu and karate books that I have because I heard they're bad and for Christians so I'm going to burn them and God somehow I'm going to rectify with God you know it was weird but I was inventing my own religion burnt offering right there I went ahead and burned a bunch of books did I feel better I don't remember I don't know that's not the point the point is the law came into my life and for next year I've been struggling trying to quit smoking and I would stop smoking 
externally so I wouldn't have this thing, this stick in my fingers. I wouldn't have a smoke around me. But inside, I, I was not free. I was walking. I would walk along the street and somebody in front of me would walk and smoke and I would go... <sighs> I was not free. There was a... So every two weeks, I would just ah, give up and start smoking again. And it was going for a while. And then I was working at a restaurant, and I was standing and smoking. <clears throat> and I went through the time of, you know, when people go through starvation, they can't eat normally sometimes. They just shovel everything into their mouth, afraid that it, somebody will take it. The same thing happens when you've been through a time when there were no cigarettes, and I've been through that time. So every time I would have a good quality American cigarettes, I would smoke them all the way to the filter. So I was standing and smoking all the way to the filter, trying to, as usually. And all of a sudden, in the middle of this cigarette thing, I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm like, what the? That thing does not belong to me. I don't, I don't need it. I don't, I don't have to do it. Do I? It was so new. It was such a new thought to my mind. So, like, I couldn't believe I can just, can I just, with, can I just drop it and smash it without even finishing it? It was hard to believe. And I look, I guess I'm doing it. Wow. Whole pack. Huh. And I walked from that spot. And I never experienced addiction again. There was nothing miraculous. I mean, all of a sudden, I just realized I'm free. I mean, it comes, in, it, it, it comes differently to different people. But it's, it's not about what happens to you subjectively. It's based on what happened on the cross. Amen. It's based on what happened on the cross. You see, I don't know. By the mercy of God, I appropriated it. I went the story too long. But anyway, I'm finishing. Trust me. I'm, I'm wrapping it up. But if you read this scripture that we read before, chapter 6 of Romans, you see the two things that Paul says. He says, don't you know? This is my question to you. Don't you know? Do you know that you are dead to sin in Christ Jesus? If you don't, you really need to know it. And then he says, so count yourself. Based on that truth, count yourself. Or some translations say, reckon yourself. And it's an interesting term. It comes from the word of accounting in the Greek language. You know, we humans, we cannot trust our feelings. We cannot trust our words sometimes. The, the most accurate data that we receive is usually mathematical, arithmetical data, right? Numbers do not lie. Two plus two equals four. You plus Christ equals your dead to sin and alive to God. This should become your like truth, ironclad truth that you need to know. And after you come to know this truth in the way, in this way, you need to begin to see yourself in the light of that truth as dead to sin and alive to God. I'm not preaching sinless perfection. I'm not saying you can't sin anymore. I saw you do it. I do it. But I'm saying the grip has been taken off, severed from you. You're not a slave anymore. 
you're free. Yes, you will sleep, you will make mistakes, you, you, you can commit things that you would not be proud of, stupid things you would have to confess, but you're not sin. You're a child of God set free from sin, slavery. That's the reality. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.